on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. This is the Mixed Martial Arts Edition, but forgive me for not being fired up about fights in general. Oh, yeah. Feel that inside me. Uh, we're fresh off of Fury Wilder 2. We'll get into that. I know it's box. It's not, it's not cage stuff, but I'm just so giddy at where we're at right now in the fight calendar, what 2020 is bringing us. 248 next week. Tony Habib on the horizon. Connor coming back a few more times. Heavyweight boxing, it matters. It all matters. And as always, the SOC has you covered, has you fired up, has you ready for injection with a lethal dose of that one and only performance enhancing audio. USADA will not be knocking on your door after that one. So so stick it deep, right? Right in the air hole. Let's do this thing. All right, I'm going to bring him in. Our, our, our boy, Brandon Wise, he's been off a little bit lately. Buying a house today in Connecticut. Congratulations to that fella. Can't believe it. I can't believe it. I mean, what happened to my Floridian buddy? I'm talking about. How about that for a shotgun wedding? I mean, he's already married, but just comes to Connecticut and just buys a house the next day. All right. And you heard that voice of the man right there straight out of Auckland. It's your UFC Hall of Famer, a man who's always sweet, never sour. He's got abs. He's over 40. It's Sugar, Rashad Evans. Earthquake survivor, Rashad Evans. (laughs) (laughs) That's me bringing that heat. That's me bringing that heat. Indeed. Indeed. Rashad, people want to know how to go in New Zealand, one of the most beautiful places on earth. It was was beautiful. It lived up to uh, to the hype. Uh, the people were wonderful and um, just had a great energy about that that place. You know, uh, it, it was it, it, I wish I had more time so I could have went and explored some of the areas outside of the city and get some of that that um, Lord of the Rings type of. Yeah. You know, ish. They got some uh, some nice ladies in that area. Yeah, there, there were some some beautiful ladies. Yeah. The New Zealand women are very pretty. Uh, just, just a different kind of, uh, flavor and culture, you know, P- pretty granola though. Pretty granola. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with that. All right. Indeed. You were there, of course, on the scene for UFC Auckland, which we will break down today at length. Um, Rashad, are you feeling what I'm feeling about this calendar year, man? I mean, maybe I'm just still high from being in Vegas this weekend for Fury Wilder, but you know, you start to hear rumblings that Connor's preparing to come back, fighting twice more this year. We get another Fury Wilder fight. AJ's lingering. Uh, uh, you know, UFC fights up the horn the next few months. I don't know, man. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like this could be a special year. I think so. I, it's feeling like it too, man. Um, you know, because I, I feel like the, the the Fury and Wilder fight, man. That that to me, it it um. It showed me that boxing is is on the same level as MMA trying as far as trying to bring the entertainment level, you know, and, uh, you know, MMA has been bringing it, you know, the, the fight with Paul Felder and and Dan Hooker was absolutely amazing. But, uh, yeah, great start to the calendar year and fights in general. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. We need more Super Bowl type events in the fight game. But even though the Super Bowl's behind us in the NFL season, Rashad, our listeners need to understand the NFL does not take a week off, right? No months off, no no off season when it comes to following as a fan. And it is officially NFL draft season right now. And you better believe that the CBS Sports Pick 6 NFL pod not only has you covered, 
They got you covered deep this week in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Draft expert Ryan Wilson will be joined by the experts on the podcast who have you covered through the Combine, through its evolution. We got Brady Quinn, who participated in the Combine back in 2007. You remember that fine-looking Notre Dame man? He's got a nice-looking nice, nice looking wife, too. I'm not, I know you're not allowed to say that on the air, but tune in for that as well. Um, also, the Pick 6 podcast remains daily all offseason, and we'll get you the most prepared for the 2020 NFL Draft. Download and subscribe to that Pick 6 pod today, anywhere where you find fine audio, and tell them BC sent you. All right, uh, Rashad, you you into this? College football number one pick? You into that, or am I wasting my time? No, 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 no. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, it's good to see where the guys from college go. Actually, I got I train at a gym where a lot of those guys they train for the combine and then they go to the NFL. So it's good to see them make that next progression. Indeed, indeed. I, you know, I often wonder as I sit back with you on this podcast and relive the days of uh, Niagara High School superstar running back linebacker Rashad Evans, what it could have been had you chosen a different Telling path. You. All right. Telling you, I'm telling you, I, would, I might still be out there running the ball. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Were you better on offense or defense? I think defense is, is me all the way. You know, I was more of a defensive player. All right. All right. I'm indeed. I'm down with that. All right. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Quick pause for the cause. I'm going to hear a word from our friends and sponsors, but on the other side, all the recap analysis you need from the big events this weekend and beyond. It is the SOC. Dig it. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. And we're back. BC, Sugar, Rashad in the house. Each of us, we got perspectives. I was at Wilder Fury over the weekend. Rashad in Auckland for that fantastic lightweight duel. One, of course, by Dan Hooker by split decision. But let's start going five rounds here with Rashad. I want to go with round number one, Rashad. Again, I know this ain't a boxing show, but when heavyweight championships fights get together on the highest level in boxing, everyone's a boxing fan. It's it's front page news. Um, Rashad, they heard my takes on the SOC box pod this week. What about yours? Fury walking down the Bronx, the bronze bomber walking into oncoming traffic against the biggest puncher arguably ever. And knocking him the hell out. And then we got Wilder blaming it on his 40-pound costume. A lot of wackiness. But it looks as right now, we're going to a third fight this summer. What you, would you take from that this weekend? I, t- I took that, um, you know, Fury just came in with a great strategy. I thought for sure at, at first that that weight was going to be to his detriment. But he turned it into his... his um, you know, his saving grace because that, that weight allowed him to push forward, but only not only push forward, but stand there and then land those heavier shots on the inside. And you've seen with, with um, Wilder, you know, he was trying to get at range and, and he was backing up the whole night. And I think that was the beginning of the end from because he was not able to, you know, to, to establish anything. He couldn't establish his jab at all and just getting walked down from the, the beginning of the bell. And um, Fury did a good job and smart combinations that he chose to throw. And defensively speaking, very responsible, making sure that not only did did Fury uh, miss him with the hands with slick movement, but then he had to punch through those long arms. So then it just kind of deflected and took away what what Fury's biggest thing is, which is his power. You know, a lot of those punches that Fury would have normally caught people with, 
they were getting deflected by those long arms of uh, Fury. I mean, of Wilder was you know deflected by um those long arms of Fury. So I think that um great fight, man. I'm excited that it's going to a third fight. To be honest. So here's the the key question coming out of here. And by the way, you want deep takes? Check out the SOC Box Pod this week. Not only do we have promoter Eddie Hearn, of course, who represents Anthony Joshua, talking about how we make those future big fights, but Roy Jones Jr. comes on and he he cuts it deep on uh, Deontay Wilder's sort of reaction to this loss, blaming his trainers for throwing in the towel, threatening to fire that assistant trainer. Rashad, we've seen it before in combat sports. Think of Mike Tyson or Ronda Rousey, where you can be the bully, and then when somebody finally walks you down and knocks you out and beats you, you may end up never being the same. How are you feeling based on Wilder's career up to this point? His assertion that if you're going to beat me, you better knock me cold. You better kill me. And some of the excuse making as how it pertains to whether you think he'll be a live dog in this third fight or you think he could be damaged goods. Well, I, at first I was I was feeling what he was saying when he was in the when he was in the cage. I mean, the cage, all these boxing, all these MMA uh, terms when, when he was in the ring. Um, I was feeling what he was saying, talking about he wanted to go out on the shield. And I can understand that as an athlete, why you would want that, especially when you train as hard as he did. But at the same time, I definitely understand why his corner decided to save it, his fight for another day and not take too many big shots. Now, when all the excuses start coming in, whenever you hear start these excuses starting to come in, you start to hear of a fighter who's not taking the blame, not really accepting the responsibility of what happened in the fight on himself. And when a fighter does that, it's a longer road to, to recovery on a mental level when it comes to competing. When I, when I, whenever you make excuses on why something happened, you're, 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 you're building these excuses so then that way you don't have to shoulder that blame. When you don't shoulder that blame, whatever you don't shoulder, it finds you eventually. So it may materialize again in a third fight if he does not address those issues in which he may not be addressing through the excuse making. I just think the truth of the matter was he was just beat and, and he didn't have a second or third option in there to implement when it came to the fact that if Fury does this, what is, you know, what, what is he going to do? You know, I thought that, um, I thought he should have, you know, wrestled around there a little bit better with, with, uh, Fury and not allow him to lay on him so much. Um, also, you know, I, I, I thought that he wasn't being creative enough with, with what he knew that Fury was worried about, which is his power. You know, when you think that somebody's worried about your power, you have to fake and feign a lot more to get them to react. And he didn't do a lot of that at all. He just kind of let um, Fury just pretty much dictate the pace of it and dictate what combinations were going to be thrown and when they were going to be thrown. So that's my take. Yeah, I mean, for, for Wilder being known as one of the best punchers in history, not not a false statement, uh, he got exposed badly for, for just not knowing how to fight. And you never you don't think there's a difference there. You don't think. But there, but there is. There's a difference between I'm losing five rounds in a row, but then I knocked you out with one punch and I can get in there and mix it up and fight. I mean, Tyson Fury kind of Randy couturred him. There was there was a lot of dirty boxing going on. He just out savvied him. Well, I mean, we, we, we I'm, a, I'm a big Tyson fan. And I remember the story with Mike Tyson was, you know, he's a big power puncher. And if he can't knock you out in the first, then, you know, the chances got better. But then you've seen the fights. Where 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 he it went longer and you know the Jose Ribaltos and, and those kind of fights where you got to actually see Mike Tyson implement the skill level and and just you know how how smart he was in there moving around not only looking for the power shot but sometimes out jabbing these opponents who were you know some ha, had six to seven inch reach on them at times you know so that that's when you've seen a new wrinkle in Mike Tyson's game when he was pushed to that level. And, and I was waiting to see that new wrinkle in Wilder's game when he was pushed, but you just didn't see it. And the crazy thing is about a third fight, and if he kicks in his contractual uh, rematch, which he said he will, uh, it would probably be this summer. And even if he's damaged goods, even if he's fallen behind again, even if he never was what we thought he was, he can still win this fight with one punch, Rashad, and that's wild, man. I mean, that's the thing about him. Like, everybody's crapping that Deontay Wilder now was never anything. Look at his resume, and some of that is true, but uh, there's a reason that guy went 42-0, uh, and 0, uh, you know, no matter who you're fighting. Damn. Like, even when he was getting 
tattooed rounds five, six, seven. I'm like, if Fury gasses even for a second, Rashad, like he can get knocked, he can get down, he can get floored, and that's 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 crazy. You know, that's Ngannou level power. You just you rarely ever see that. So anyone saying I don't need to see a third one, I've seen 19 rounds of this, and Wilder lost about 16 of those rounds. Uh, he's not here to win rounds, guys. Let's let's not forget that. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the thing about it, like. You know, he, he hasn't won rounds and, and he's not he's not a round winner, but he definitely and what he's been able to achieve in there, being able to have that knockout. I mean, just being able to to find the shot is it's one being able to have that shot and knowing you have it. But it's another one to consecutively find it when you need it the most. And he and he's been and he's been doing that. You know, it's 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 one thing, uh, you know, to hit a home run. It's another thing to hit it during a home a home run dirty derby a goddamn million times in order to to make a record. So uh, I I give my hat off to him for what he's been able to do in the game. But there is another level he needs to reach. Now whether he reaches that or not is going to be based upon how fast he turns around and faces himself. Indeed, and we did see by the way Ngannou trying to call, trying to get in the sweepstakes here. I'll box Fury. I'll box him a bunch of times. Yeah, get in line. A lot of people now, as we have a new star in the in the U.S. at least, Tyson Fury. But uh, round two, biggest MMA story of the weekend, Rashad. As we talked about, you were there in Auckland. This was such a key main event fight for this lightweight division, which you know I've said it many times. I think this is the deepest any division has ever been in UFC history. May, like even maybe slightly deeper, Rashad, than the than that pool of sharks at light heavyweight you endured a decade ago. But uh, you see, Al, I'm not Al. Sorry, wow. You see, uh, you see Dan Hooker and Paul Felder get together. You know the winner gets into that top five, gets real close to that truly upper elite title level. But they had to go through hell to get there, Rashad, and we expected it. But then to see five rounds play out where both guys emptied the jar. I mean, they took the kind of damage that you take in crazy championship fights. And this is only like, you know, if this was the NCAA tournament, this is like the, the Sweet 16 only to get there. And it's like, damn, they both wanted it. They both emptied it. Uh, let's start here. The scoring. I was fine. Three rounds to two for Hooker. I felt like close. But when I see that fight, I know who won that fight. A lot of people killing me saying, no, Felder's damage should have gotten the nod. What do you think on that, Rashad? I like Felder's damage, but I like the fact that I, I thought the fact I did not like. I thought the fact that Hooker was able to almost like make Felder look lost at times. I thought that was was what stuck out in the judges' minds because sometimes it looked as if like Felder was two or three steps behind. And I point to um you know, the movement, the octagon movement of Hooker, you know, moving to the outside when he was, it looked, it's very simple. He was circling to the right, but what he was actually doing was he was circling Felder right into that lower leg kick because every single time he circled right, Felder circled left. And because Hooker knew which he was going to plant with that left foot, the minute that left foot planted the ground, Hooker was already kicking that lower leg. And that's what was causing the problem for Felder in the beginning to be able to close the distance because he couldn't figure out that puzzle. He kept on um, kept on following him. It wasn't until Felder was like, you know what, I'm just going to move forward and make him deal with my jab first and, and, my, and my striking first. Then he started to catch him and catch some traction. Um, but he did land the cleaner shots. He did the leaner cleaner shots, but I also believe it was the the, the grappling the, the grappling into cage, those grappling exchanges where Dan Hooker was the one who was dominant sometimes, even taking the back of Felder, even though it wasn't to any kind of damage, but it was still showing the overall control in those grappling sequences. And then that final takedown, to me, sealed the deal. So I'm comfortable with the decision and how it was rendered. I just thought that um, these guys are so both, you know, so even. I think I would have liked to see how Paul would have been able to do uh, – you know, if he if his mindset would have picked up how it did in those rounds, those later rounds, once he started to figure out that lower calf kick. Yeah, he may have started just a bit too late. But man, when you when you watch that broadcast and you see Duke Rufus before the start of round four, I mean, cut him deep, go to the heart and say for your daughter. And sometimes we hear that and it's cliche. The guy goes out, he lays an egg. It's the same round we saw the round before. 
And sometimes we do what Paul Felder just did and basically acted like his career and life were on the line. And, you know, you can certainly argue his career moving forward from the standpoint of which direction are you going could have been on the line. But he fought like it was on the line. And the way that he exploded in round four, like, there's like some superhero crap. Like, I was like, oh, my God, look, at he's coming on. He's hurting him. You saw Hooker, why, you know, wobble a little bit. Uh just that human response, and then obviously you po- package that with how Felder responded to losing and, and, and how real he was in the post-fight interview. It's like, I felt so bad to see a man, Rashad, who's so close to being great, right? So close to proving in that fight that he 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 is a super elite, use everything in the tank and still not get there. Like, it's just heartbreaking to see the way that played out watching the effort he put in in round four and five yeah i I feel you too because sitting there live watching it you know you i kind of you're you get you feel the environment you know and i'm always a guy who i can pick an upset and i can pick a winner but i have to wait until the face-off in order to get an idea of the exchange of energies because a lot you can tell in those, those those final moments and um watching the way in and watching how they interacted when they were up and close and and just seeing how Felder was afterwards, you kind of got the sense of his eye in, in, in his interview and just his mindset and by looking in his eyes that this was the point of no return for him. And I had that moment when I fought Chuck Liddell. I even came out to the song called Point of No Return yes. because that's what that symbolized to me. And he knew that at the, this moment where he was at was going to be no more and he only had forward to go. So... I, I kind of got that feeling of when I watched him just do the interview and he went out there and he fought like that. He went out there and he fought as if like, you know, there would life would never be the same after this moment. And when a fighter goes out there and they fight like life would never be the same after this moment, then they're looking to change something. And I think definitely Paul didn't get the win on the scorecards, but he definitely got to win a lot of people's hearts. And he's got a lot of respect from everybody, too. And uh, talking to uh, Luke Thomas, my respected friend and journalist, he had said he got a text from Duke Rufus that said, Felder's not quitting. You know, that was sort of an emotional in the moment. But when you look at a guy at 35, Rashad, who knocked on the door of, of being elite and came up just short, can you re-motivate yourself for another run when you got a, a, a burgeoning broadcasting career? And, you know, he was very real about missing his kids and all that. Like, would you advise him to come back? Obviously, he's still... He's right there in the mix of this of the shark invested division where he's going to be a tough fight for every anybody. But sometimes becoming a tough fight for anybody means you're transitioning into like elite gatekeeper role. I think that he definitely um, needs to continue pushing because right now he's too close to the sport in order to not be like, you know what? I got this figured out and want to come back. You know what I'm saying? He's too he's too close to it and he's too young. So even if he does decide to stop doing it right now, he's he's breaking down and analyzing these fights. And right now he's feeling sore and he's kind of feeling himself. He's in his feelings right now. So once that dissipate, once that goes over, once the clarity of what he just been in comes into his mind, then he's going to put it in proper perspective. Then he's going to be like, yo, you know what? I don't want to quit. I still can compete with these guys. Then he's going to try to come back. But at that point, he may have missed his season. So I would say stay in it. Just endure this feeling and this too shall pass yes you're, you're basically saying take the l not in a mean way but take it absorb it drink it up let it let it pass let it go through you they don't you know if you're going through hell keep going right rashad keep going, keep going. that's it that's what i'm talking about right there but the he in he did mess with a hooker in the end though <laughs> he's a hooker yep and he, and he got caught there uh Good win for Dan Hooker, but I'm a little afraid. Here's the thing. Dan Hooker's first sort of like I'm here moment. I forgot what fight that was. But, it, you know, that first sort of like, oh, we got something here. I mean, I saw a title contender. I saw a legit. He's done nothing since then but kind of back that up. At, you know, as to be honest, anybody coming from that gym is just, you know, jumping through your screen lately. But he gets this win barely, but he got it. And now he's calling out Justin Gaethje, which is really the right call out in the latter, because, you know, this is a, a bottleneck division. We got Tony Habib next. You got Connor lingering. You got a lot of people around this. But when does that damage start to add up, Rashad? He's 30. He took the kind of damage in winning in this fight that most guys take in a grueling loss. He already had that baptism by fire moment with Barbosa. Even if he beats 
Justin Gagey. We've learned from many Alvarez and Dustin Poirier that you need to leave a, a large piece of you behind to walk that monster down and get him out of there. I don't want to see Dan Hooker, uh, you know, get the get some bald tires before it's time to get in the big race. You know what I'm saying? Wow, how about that for a nice little transition? What a, what a segue right there from BC. I'm just sorry, I was patting myself on the back. <laughs> I totally feel you, man. I, I agree, man, because you know you only can take so much in, and no matter how tough you are, once you have had your lights put out, your body does something very crazy. It records it. It records it, and Whenever you get into a similar type of banging on the head, then your body just shuts off and there's nothing you can do about it. No matter how tough you are, no matter how hard you train, is your body just does it to protect yourself. And it doesn't do any different until you neurologically rewire yourself uh, in some kind of way. You know, whether it's they're either getting um, neck massages or whatever you can, but it has to be some kind of way that you neurologically reboot yourself. So that way you can take a punch again. But when you're when you're looking to fight in, in a way that every single fight you're going to the hospital or close to going to the hospital, the way he empties himself out is great for TV, but not great if you not great if you want to uh, become champion. I mean, if you keep on taking that beating, I mean, at some point, the mastery of of those beatings it does take hold, and you've seen it in some fights where. You know, you've seen because he went through that firestorm, he's able to come out and look, make fights easier. But at the same time, if you are going up and the competition gets tougher and tougher, then you might need to take a break before you take another stab at that upper echelon of talent and, and recalibrate your guns and then go back into it. Because then I feel like you're dealing with a different set of uh, a different mindset and, and a different um, set of tools that you'd be working with instead of bringing the same gun into the same fight. And if you are looking, speaking of neck massages, if you're looking for South Florida recommendations down there for good ones, uh, Robert Kraft, reach out to him, right? I'm going to make you my girlfriend. Right? I mean, talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Rashad, do you have that feeling that Dan Hooker, though, um, is – is title ready, legit? I know it's going to take some time in this division. He's got more hurdles to climb. But uh, do you think he gets hit too much? Is there anything you're seeing there that, that gives you some kind of pause to the idea that, that we could be seeing a future champion in the making? Um, I just think, I just think sometimes you know, he's, too, he's too easy to hit. You know, I, think, I think what he does is that he does a good job of keeping his hands low to pull you in. And that works for his great long counter striking game. But at the same time, once the fight gets later on and, and he's as tired as his opponents or loses the ability to put his hands up, then I think he needs to you know, have a stance where he's a little bit more defensively responsible because he keeps his hands low throughout the whole entire fight. And when a guy starts to come on, as you've seen Felder do, then he starts to get caught with all kinds of punches. So I would like to see him... Um, be a little bit stronger defensively, and even that even include that even includes what I've seen him do really well against Felder is work the cage, work those grappling exchanges, really work to um, extend his grappling prowess more than his striking prowess, just because he has a body that can lend to a bigger that 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 it could lend to a bigger advantage if he implemented those long grappling exchanges, you know, because. Having those long, skinny arms, they they get in everything, and sometimes you don't really realize it. Being a shorter fighter, that the guys, you know, you're in a you're in a a, a tough situation with a longer guy because those arms can can you know mix things up for you. Indeed, indeed. Uh, shout out to City Kickboxing's um, cheerleading section, though. I mean, this this fight had had CKB or whatever you want to call him, uh, yeah, CKB written all over it on the cards. But to see uh, Stylebender. Volkanovski and company in the front row, like cheering these bros on like it, it was the Super Bowl, was great to see. And in speaking of that fraternity, Rashad, one of the better fights on this card was that lightweight duel where Brad Riddell took a split decision win over Magomed Mustafaev, possibly. I'm not, you know, I don't really pronounce things too well on the show. We know that. Uh, Rashad, I was not really woke to this fella, Brad Riddell. And shout out to him, by the way. Uh, chugging the a beer down in one chug from a fan as he was exiting the cage, but uh, this guy's ripped. He can carry out a game plan. He's 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 a, a, his activity levels high. He's aggressive. Uh, 
Tell me more, please. Tell me more. I mean, he's he's a kickboxer, but he he can grapple too. You know, he, even even on the ground, he he was moving around pretty educatedly, and and even being able to get up. He got taken down eight times, but he got up nine times. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's something that you you have to look at because when you have one of these these great grapplers on you, and I'm saying anybody who comes out of that that camp, that Russian camp. Um, they're, they're great, great grapplers first, you know, and these guys take people down and when they take people down, they don't get up. But the simple fact that he, as a kickboxer was able to get up nine times, that says something very positive about his game because he's able to keep the fight where he's, where he wants to. And even when he got taken down to the ground, he had a very active guard too. His guard was active. He just wasn't sitting there hanging out. And not for nothing. You know, he's been in the kickboxing scene for a long time. So now that he's getting this shine in the UFC, oh, he's all about that moment. and He's rising to the occasion because this is what he always foreseen of himself, but only in the kickboxing world. So is he getting uh, sparring time with Dan Hooker every day in that gym? I mean, the, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Yeah. They all they all get that working with each other and they all continue to push each other. But that's that's what it has to be. You know, when our gym was what it was, you know, we had Vitor Belfort, Alistair Overeem, myself, Damn. Anthony Johnson, Tyrone Spong, Johnson, Kamaru Usman. You know, we 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 had we get we had the who's who, and, and I'm probably forgetting Gilbert Durino. We I'm forgetting a ton of names. I'm forgetting a lot of names because we had so much talent. But what would happen is we would all go in there, and it'd be just like, you know, we would all just learn from each other. Speaking of learning. From uh, from from legends and elders. Remember that video that used to circle on the internet that was like you and Bernard Hopkins from like 2011, and he yeah. was like showing you the art of the right hand, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is awesome!" You know, like you know, two experts coming together and sitting at the learning tree of B Hop. Did you make him answer to this by any chance? Everybody, everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on <laughs> wrestling. I mean, I'm from the hood. I, we don't we don't play that. We don't. To me, I'm not buying a ticket to watch two men with panties on, sweating, you know what I mean, nuts in their face. I'm, that's not me. He's, he's better than that, right? He's better than that. Yeah, yeah, he, he's better than that. I think even at the time, he even, like, joked around that he said that, but he's like, nah, nah, but, you know, I, I respect you. No, I respect you, you know. Uh, you get down, you know. <laughs> Shout so out to he, B-Hop, one of my favorites, one of my favorites yeah, of all time. Yeah, man. Great sound soundboard. He fills soundboards with quotes. I was in your ass, and you was ready to quit, and you was blowing and puffing, and went to your corner like a rag doll, done, defeated, and knew that you lost that fight. Yeah. That's not gangster. I am. Very gangster. Very gangster. By the way, <laughs> he's been telling me for years they got a, they're in the, in the midst of making a movie on his life. I mean, that's that guy's lived right there. That guy that has, has, lived. has yeah. lived a life. Um, I almost cried, Rashad. Uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz dropped to two and six huh? since that that. Uh, 2016 win over Rose Nama Yunus. It's just been a dark slide. She got the crap beat out of her in three rounds here against a Chinese fighter who I'm, I'm just not going to attempt to pronounce it. Rashad. I'm just not going to do it. You can't make me. I'm just going to let you know that. Um, Shannon. Yeah, yeah. Shannon. Uh, and then uh, Carolina posted a video with a broken eye and just full on sadness. Uh, uh, what do we do here? What do we do, Rashad? Oh, my gosh. I think she just needs to um, just take a break. Just take a break and just kind of do some traveling around, train at different camps. And not that she needs to leave her team, but whatever she can do to kind of uh, give her that give her that spark back again. And and I said it before the fight. There's something that, you know, it's like when you're on that 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 three fight losing streak, you do not want to drop the four. You do not want to drop the four. And you try not to think about it. You try to tell yourself, oh, this is just another fight. But in the back of mind, you know that if you get the four, that's usually when they start to show you the door. So you, you, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean to laugh at that, but that's that's right on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's when that's when you start to think that. So you don't want to drop that, and you try not to bring that into the fight. But when you're fighting and things start to happen, and you start to have a little bit of frustration in there, that starts to come to your mind, and then that starts to take over your mind because now it became in your mind, you're starting to slide even more in the fight. And that's what I've seen with Carolina. I just seen that, you know, once the eye started to bother her and 
And I'm sure it was it was bad enough for her to really react that way. But that was the beginning of the end for her on, on a mental level because she just couldn't get it out of her mind. She's like, man, I'm going to lose this fight. And I'm not even at the, the place physically where I can compete and give a good standing, a good showing for myself. I've seen this one time before where an athlete went up and they fought somebody who who um, who may have been too soon for them. But then afterwards, they just never really got it back. And that's what happened with David Loaza when he fought Frank Rich Franklin. Right. Good, good call. You know, on that. He fought Rich Franklin. He just wasn't able to get back to the same spinning elbows, the same dynamic David Loazzo that got him the championship. Now, if you remember before, David Loazzo was one of the nasties in the one eight, one of the nastier fighters in the one eighty five division with elbows that no one has ever seen before, you know. And um, after that fight, he just started to second guess himself a lot, and I see that a lot with Carolina. Tough to see. I mean, especially when she's get coming real and saying in the video, you know, this is the first fight ever. I'm not okay afterwards, and I think that's like a. That's a clear sign to, to do something drastic, something uh, take a long break and, and figure this out. Uh, we got to roll on. But uh, shout out to Angela Hill, who, who now fights every month. And again, another impressive performance against Loma Luke Boonmi. Uh She's turned her at 35. How do you turn yourself? We're talking about 34. Carolina's on the way out. Angela Hill's found life at 35. She she kind of used to be like a journey woman to the stars. And now she's a. Uh, you know, four and two in like the last six months. So uh, shout out to that. But uh, were you moved by Zubara Tukogov? Uh, Man, I'm uh, I'm off. I'm off my rails today. You know, uh, Habib's boy, uh, knockout victory over Kevin Aguilar. Player at featherweight or what? Mixture of uh, power in wrestling there. You like it? I do like it. I do like it. I love the way that he, he leaps into his combinations. And I wouldn't normally say that because leaping into a combination is probably the bad thing to do. But he has a perfect timing on when to do it. It's really weird how he, he times it out when it, it is a good time to leap into uh, a punch or uppercut or whatever he does, but he catches people with it. And that left hook that he has is money. Like, it's just so on point. I've seen him throw it a couple times before it actually hit, and then when it hit, it was like, okay, that, that, that man has some crack on his hands. Yeah, yeah, crack kills indeed. Uh, round three, let's move on. We saw a pair of Bellator cards over the weekend. Uh, tough weekend for wrestlers. Tyrell Fortune, Ed Ruth, both coming up empty on this. Uh, for Ruth, we had sort of talked about it, Rashad. Such promising upside, but the dude wasn't wrestling enough. And then Yaroslav Amosov, who's got a, a heavy unbeaten record here, comes in and grinds him out for three rounds, gets the win. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing, man. It's like when, when you start to have success in other areas, and then it's easy to forget about the wrestling. It's actually easier to get worse at wrestling than you were, and then you start off because you're not utilizing it anymore, and you start to uh, deteriorate in your skills just because you're not practicing them and not as doing as much as you used to. And I see that with 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 with, um, with Ruth, you know. And and here it is. It's it's being able to work the simplest thing. And, and when I say it, it just sounds like yeah, everybody knows that. But it's a different thing of saying it and actually do it. It's all about that transition from punching to takedown. That's it. If I can just sit there. For hours, just sit there and just punch, just drill. How is it from when I punch or fake a punch or doing there to just lower my level to take a shot? And I would just drill that over and over again because that was that that's the biggest secret. Like the best person I ever seen of hitting transition is GSP. He yes. would hit transition so seamlessly, like you could not, you, you couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop him just because of how. He will get you so caught up in telling the story with his hands and his feet. The next thing you know, he shoots a shot in on you. Then you're getting taken down. I think these guys need to go back and try to watch some tapes like this and get an idea how to implement their wrestling so they don't lose their number one strength. Yeah, it's like the skills are there, just putting them together. Timothy Johnson with a first-round knockout of Tyrell Fortune. Uh, wanted to shout out uh, Kevin Lee's brother, Keith Lee, uh, had made his Bellator debut on this undercard, had a nice flying knee KO. And also we saw uh, Ricky Bendejas had a hell of a, a, a second round KO. He went for a kick. The other fella caught it and they uh, gave him almost like three Stockton slaps for the knockout. Check out that highlight if you missed it. Let's roll on here, Rashad. Let's hit up round four on the news cycle here. Uh, Ali Abdelaziz, manager to the stars, is <laughs> pumping the brakes on a room report that came out the day before 
that Conor McGregor and Justin Gaethje were, you know, very close to signing on for a summer fight. And I think that made a lot of people go, whoa, what are we doing here? Conor didn't end up fighting Jorge. Jorge's looking like he's going to get Masvidal for the welterweight title. That seemed to scream to everybody. They're putting Conor in the bullpen. Let's see what happens in Tony Habib. Then let's make the biggest possible fight we can. What do you make of, of the floating of this rumor and Ali jumping in to shut it down? Ali's a very smart man. <laughs> and, and and he knows he knows the game that he's playing with with, with uh Connor. You know, it, it's always like here's the thing about it, and, and and you know, they those two sides are warring, you know, and they don't they don't look at Connor as the guy like, oh, Connor's gonna come and save the day. For Ali and those guys, they're like, nah, Connor's not gonna come and run the show with our fighters and 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 you know, our fighters gonna be sitting there willing like like eager little puppies. Oh, can I please fight Connor? Can I please fight Connor? They're, they're, they're taking the power out of that, you know? So for them, it's like, yo, look, if you want to fight, you want to fight. If not, then get in the back and, and go with the other fighters who don't want to fight, you know? Don't be coming up here trying to act like you're hard if you're not down to fight the people who you're supposed to fight. And that's, and I think that's more or less like what, what Ali's saying more than anything, you know? It's kind of like a smack on the wrist. It's kind of like, don't try to act like you're hard right now because when it came to fighting him, months before you had a chance to, you wanted to fight Cowboy instead. So I I, I think that's where uh, Ali's coming from on that side. But I do understand Conor's reason to fight Cowboy. I think that was a perfect fight for him to come back to because you don't want to come back into the fire against a guy <laughs> like JC uh, by, by Gaethje because we wouldn't be having this conversation about Conor now if that was the case. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah. Hell, I love to see Conor Gaethje. You know that. That is the potential for some in- intriguing theater, whether Conor's gas tank and soul got, got pressed or he was able to finish Justin quicker than anybody else. I mean, that would be a hellacious fight. But, man, you are risking a lot of future business if you're the UFC and you go through with that. Uh, round five here. It is official. May 9th, UFC 250 in Brazil. They called him. Jose Aldo will get the call fresh off of two defeats. In his new division, fresh off a very close decision loss to Marlon Moraes, he will get Henry Cejudo's title shot at Bantamweight here. Uh, Cejudo, of course, gave up his flyweight belt. That will be contested for this weekend. This was Cejudo's choice. UFC came through. We've kind of been up and down before on the controversial nature of this. But what's interesting, Rashad, is May 9th is looking like a, a, a hell of a night in the world of MMA. Uh, look, Cejudo Aldo, whether you believe Jose deserves that or not, that's a must frickin' see fight. But over there in Bellator land, we got Musasi Doug Lima for the vacant middleweight title. And we got Ryan Bader coming back in a potential trap fight against that Russian fella. Uh, on May 9th, what, what, what are you main screening there? It's going to be good. You know, I, you know, I got to see Triple C. I'm a big fan of Triple C. <laughs> I love Triple C, man. I just think that... Uh, you know, this time off has provided him with an opportunity to add a new wrinkle into the game. And he has a great team around him that is only dedicated to him. So that's why he's been growing so fast. So it's interesting to see what he's got cooking up. But, I mean, to watch Ryan Bader just continue to get better and better, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see where his 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 limit is. And the ageless Musasi, you know, in, in Lima, that's going to be a great fight because – Musasi's one of those guys who's always impressed me uh, because he doesn't look like much. You know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys who doesn't, who if you've seen him, you know, you'd be like, oh, that guy's not tough. That guy's not a fighter. And you might even, you might even say something about him. You know what I'm saying? Not care if you heard because you don't think he can do anything. But he's one of those guys who, who, uh, who pack a mean punch and doesn't look like it. And Lima's been coming on. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. It's going to be an interesting May night. If UFC leaves the card as is, there's there's some uh, there's certainly some party fillers on the undercard. I mean, I pop for Betch Cohea. for Doom's back. There's a couple others, but there's really no. Oh, Doom is back, huh? Yeah, yeah, he oh, is. I'm excited to see Verdum back. <laughs> there's no real secondary fight that you need to see, but uh, I, I might have to go to Bellator that night. I might have to tune into Bellator first that night. But uh, look, what's the best fight on the two combined cards? It's certainly Suhudo Aldo. I don't know. Like I've said it before, Rashad, if loving this fight is wrong, I don't want to be right. And I know <laughs> it's wrong to love this fight. 
I didn't pop. I was upset when Bisping wins the title, and then we're 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 digging up forty six year old Dan Henderson to try to complete some storyline that we kind of gave up on there. Uh, that was an undeserving title shot. I didn't love when Holly Holm was getting all these title shots fresh off of defeats. But I don't know, man. I, I'm caught up in the in the fanboyism that is the legend of Aldo. I still feel like. He never got the Connor rematch when he deserved it. I know he ended up getting a vacant title shot and the win over Frankie led to another title shot. And I know Holloway took his soul twice in impressive fashion, but in a loaded division in which other people are more deserving, I still think this is the best fight you can make for entertainment. I I agree, man. And here's the the reason why. Just just from hearing you say all of that, I kind of started to think, you know what, man? It's about time. You know what I'm saying? It's that that Aldo got the respect that I felt like he deserved a long time ago. You know, I mean, the guy has went undefeated for over a decade, and and just was, you know, he 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 was a monster, and um, to watch him be able to climb back and to and, and to be able to find himself again at 135, yeah, I I want to definitely see what what uh, he can bring because I don't think he's going to miss his opportunity to answer the call. I think for him, I think he's going to look at this like rewriting what happened in 145 the right way, you know, and being in, in Brazil and just having a chance to feel the love again. I think that he's going to go out there and just fight out of his mind. I mean, you, look, there's been moments in UFC history, usually when a guy's in his home area and you get the win, and the place explodes, and you're like, I wish it looked, tasted, smelled, and felt like this every time. Can you imagine what the hell the inside of that arena will be like if Jose Aldo pulls this off? It'll be amazing. I was just in the, the, the uh, arena in New Zealand, and I swear it was so loud, like my insides were shaking, you know? <laughs> like, like I was like, oh my God, this is not... I, I need headphones. It was just so loud. You're like just, earthquake. I've, I've, I've been here before. I've been, I've been through this <laughs> yeah. before. Uh, yeah. yeah and this is, that's going to be wild right there. Um, To close on this, and you know, you can punt on it if you want, but uh, Henry Cejudo got caught in a little quasi-racism. Karen Bryant calling him out on Twitter. Uh, Much ado about a lot. What do you think there? What did he say? I missed it. I missed the he, whole He um, was ripping Aljo and basically called him Al Jemima. And then Karen Bryant's like, hey, man, Triple C, I love you, but, like, that's racist, bro. Like, that, like, you got to, you, you know, no. that that's And then Suhudo's like, no, it's not racist. I was, you know, what? I don't know. I mean, I mean, look, 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 Boogie Woman came out and kind of made some coronavirus jokes. And we're like, is that racist? Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know. What's racist nowadays? I just don't want that guy to be racist anymore. All right? Can, can we still? <laughs> I, I don't think he's racist. I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I think sometimes you just say stuff and you put your foot in your mouth and not realize it. And Aljo and I don't know. Yeah, I do that on the show all the time, Rashad. Don't worry. We we know we know what that is like. Uh, hey, let's play fill in the blanks, Rashad. This is where I challenge you on the spot, no prepping, with the hard hitting questions. I mm-hmm. want the first thing that comes off of your mind. Number one, Valentina Shevchenko will make a quick turnaround once again and defend her women's flyweight title. June 6th, UFC 251, site to be determined. The best word, Rashad, to describe Joanne Calderwood's chances of pulling an upset are blank. Oh, slim to none. And slim just left town. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying what needs to be said. Uh, number two, the great Floyd Mayweather turned 43 on Monday. You say something else, I'll whoop your ass in the octagon, bitch. No, you won't. No, you won't. Um, He's been in the headlines a lot, Rashad, for saying he wants to rematch Conor McGregor in boxing for, quote, the right price. He also has leaked out that he'd love to box Conor and Habib in the same day. Uh, From 1 to 100, the odds that Mayweather fights again in 2020 in any form are blank. Man, I would say... uh... I'm going to put a one on that because if he was going to fight, we would already be hearing about it somehow because he's going to take him at least at least this amount of time to get ready. You know, we would have already heard about it if it's going to happen in some kind of way because it would have been it would have been already production. So I don't think he's going to fight in 2020. Are you worn out yet by the constant every other month Floyd teasing the media, teasing the bag, keeping the name out there? No, I'm not. I, I, I. 
you know, it's Floyd. It's, he has to. You know, it's either it's either keeping us interested with potential fights or buying some more expensive cars that we'll never be able to afford. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Whatever it is, he has to he has to do something to keep people's attention and and materialism stuff. It only it gets boring after a while. One of these days, Rashad, somebody from Saudi Arabia or Antarctica is going to show up with like you know eight hundred million and go, hey, let's do Maypack in Abu Dhabi and you know. May pack two and Floyd will probably say yes, you know, or DAZN or somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and get that. But you know what I don't want? I talk about this on the boxing pod. As much as Floyd's a, a purposeful villain, like, you know, he wants us to, to not like him and be mad at him. So he makes more money off us wanting to see him fail. I actually don't want to see him put a put an L on that perfect record that he worked so hard to get in like a weird fight against an MMA guy because he got cut or, you know, or bite off more than he can chew against another old boxer or some spinny kickboxer from Japan who's 20 years old and 110 pounds, you know, pulls the impossible and, and gets him out of there. Like, at some point, Floyd, like, you won, bro. Right? You won. Go. Here's the thing about Floyd. Just, just I mean, I, I, I loosely know Floyd personally, you know. Um, he's one of the most calculated like persons I ever met in my life. He's extremely, extremely calculated. When he when he does his rounds for training, you know, he doesn't do just regular, you know, regular uh three minute rounds. He does like nine minute rounds, you know, each round. And and the reason why he does that is just because he doesn't want to leave anything uh, one stone unturned. And he makes sure he's he does at least twelve of those nine 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 uh minute rounds with a different guy coming in all the time. So he's a perfectionist and what he does. So I can't foresee him even stepping up and putting himself in a position to lose a fight because his whole career and the reason why we know him is great right now, I'm not saying he isn't that good, but it's largely the way he picked his fights. It's a combination of all of it. I mean, certainly he's a, uh, you know, it's funny when, when comparing Fury and Wilder's sort of natural ability, you're like, okay, Wilder came to the sport at 19. He's all athleticism and power. Fury probably started boxing at like four and five and his, you know, and his descendants were bare knuckle champions. Well, Floyd Mayweather was like boxing the doorknob at age two. And it's like, we don't, you don't see that anymore. You know what I mean? You don't see those guys who have that insane head start, know exactly who they're going to be at a certain age. It's in the genes. It's just everything. And that's how, I mean, that builds the foundation to end up maxing himself out, which is what Floyd did. So I give him that credit. I also say Floyd, just go away, bro. Just go, okay? Just open up more girl collections. Whatever you need to do. Uh, number three, fill in the blank, Rashad. We're a little more than a week out from UFC 248 in Las Vegas. And as the great Jake Hager said regarding this main event, I am right there with him. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. Rashad, I got a phoner, okay? Okay, from here to, uh, to uh, yeah, okay. Um, Here's the question, though. Adesanya going to defend that middleweight belt against Yoel Romero. From your perspective, just a week out, the most important question that needs answering inside the cage that night will be blank. Ooh. Is the style bender that dude? Yeah. I mean, even wanting, even wanting to step up and take a fighter who's coming off a loss just because it's for your legacy, it's saying to me that you think you are that dude. You know, you think you are the one as in, like Anderson Silva, as in, you know, the one who's going to be able to take this legacy and do what no one else has been able to do in the entire UFC, you know. So I, I think that uh, that would be a good question to be answered. And and to be honest, he's going against a guy in Yoel Romero who I've heard nothing but horror stories about fighting. People people like, like yo, fight anybody, but listen, that Yoel <laughs> is something different. I'm like, what you mean he's something different? I'm like, well, you know, when you punch him, it just doesn't feel like you're punching another human being it feels like you're punching a robot because his body is hard like it's like you kick him and it hurts you and you punch him and it hurts your hand and you know he he's got this weird explosiveness to where you can't tell you know how fast he can go cuz he moves so slow and then when all of a sudden he's so fast you can't even believe he exploded that fast so he's got he's he, he's definitely set himself up for a tough one I can't wait. I can't wait. Are you going to be there, Rashad? Is there any chance you're going to be there? 
I'll be there. I'm, I'm gonna go to it. You I'm are as a as a journalist, as a fan, no, as a. It's gonna, go, gonna go as a fan and watch it. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Rashad, fill in the blank number four. I didn't tell you about a bonus fight on that UFC 250 card, May 9th, Brazil. Brazilian legends Mauricio Shogun Hua and Antonio Little Nog Rogério Nogueira are headed toward a trilogy. No, this ain't Bellator, bro. This ain't Bellator. This is UFC. If you had to guess, their combined age entering the cage on May 9th is blank. Ooh, I would say 75. 81, bro. 81 81. I don't know if that's a record, but it's probably pretty... No, actually, well... Maybe Ken Shanrop and, Kim, and Kimbo Slice broke that record, but uh, wow, that's gross. That is gross. Uh, uh, yeah, one eighty-one years old. Eh? You got any interest in that? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're still doing it. I mean, jeez. I mean, at Look, some point, Shogun will not be able to take a punch anymore, right? His chin is deteriorating. Not yet, Connor. And that's the sick thing. Is like <laughs> he'll go out there, he'll take hell of punishment, and then he's coming back. Uh, now to close it out here, fill in the blank. Rashad, this is just to to pop me, okay? I, I got back on the scene last night in 35 and over hoops. My middle finger injuries healed. I, uh, I, I sweat a lot. I didn't get into any fist fights, and I didn't get hurt. So that's a success. Rashad, what's the best bas- who is the best basketball player among UFC fighters that you've ever seen or heard about, who is that? Fill in the blank. The best basketball player I've ever seen or heard about among oh, UFC fighters. That'd be a tough one. There's no like pickup games at the uh, at the Performance Institute in between uh, jujitsu sets. No, there, there really there really isn't. There really, you know, who's actually pretty good in basketball? Kamara was actually pretty decent in basketball. I mean, he's not gonna. He's not gonna make any team, but he, he's definitely he's definitely pretty good. He's probably I mean, not gonna stay in a game with a referee though. I could see that guy falling out real quick. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I don't think any of us will stay in a basketball game too long with a referee, especially me. I'm the I'm the roughest at basketball. I'm like I'm like a Dennis Rodman type of type of player. Who I'm you, only here for the defense. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, who do you think's got game like? I could see GSP, but then again, I can imagine him taking a jump shot. It's probably all. It's probably horrendous. Uh, I couldn't even imagine John Jones has that specific skill set. No, I don't think John Jones will have it. I, I think that it'd be more like a, a shorter guy. I think. I think it might. I don't know. Like an Aljamain, like a uh, like a Kiesa. I could see him having that wiry. I, I think body. like a Kiesa. Yeah, like I, I think it's gonna be like some random white guy who you would never think even has game that would probably have the best game in the, in the UFC. <laughs> I love it. I love maybe, it. Maybe I, 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 and no dribbling, though. And no dribbling. I already know. And no dribbling, though. Habib and no dribbling. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, Habib and the no dribble. That's that's a, uh, yeah. Yeah, we used to play full court taps in middle school before school. No dribbling. Full, tackling was allowed. You know, what is, I don't know. You know, what, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You know, I mean, come on. All right, uh, Rashad, we got to get into this weekend. It's time. Let's do it. Uh, there's a title fight. It's really flying under the radar, and it takes place in Norfolk, Virginia, UFC on ESPN+. Plus. Are you going to be there, Rashad? Are you working this one? No, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be I'm being Florida for this one. Okay, okay. Our main event, Henry Cejudo has given up the flyweight title, and the UFC is going to keep the division alive. And I'll tell you, this is an interesting matchup. Longtime division bridesmaid, Joseph Benavides at age 35 is going to get one more chance against Davison Figueiredo, Figueiredo, figure. Why don't I figure it out? The 32-year-old Brazilian Rashad, uh, just one loss in his career, and that was to Jussier Formega last year. But he's on a two-fight win streak. What are we looking at here? This is a, is a good-ass fight. What, what, what's the keys here? What do you like? It's a good fight, but I think this is all, you know, Benavides' fight to win. You know, he's been showing so much improvement in his last few fights and showing that he has power and, and just kind of showing the kind of focus that you'll see out of a champion. And I think that once, you know, the the weight class moved around a bit and it jostled around, there was that talks that it might be leaving. You've seen a different kind of Benavides step up. You've seen, you've seen a different kind of Benavides, you know, uh, start to just – just take emerge and the guy who I've seen emerge is is definitely championship material. You know, he's he's got the mindset, he's got the strength, he's got the power, and he's got the overall, you know, just experience in there and, and has been in there with the likes of of all the best, you know, Triple C, 
battle win over Triple C, you know, and even, you know, so I think I think that this is going to be a great fight, a great fight, because at the same it's it's, it's um it's going to be a great fight because whenever you get a chance to fight for a belt, it's going to bring it. But uh, I just like. I like Benavides in this one. He's had such a great career. I mean, that long stretch where his only losses were twice at Bantamweight to Dom Cruz, including once for the title at, in the WEC, and then obviously twice to Demetrius Johnson. And that first one, split decision, the the inaugural UFC flyweight title bout could have gone either way. And then shout out to Mighty Mouse for knocking him cold in the first round of the rematch. But since that rematch against Demetrius Johnson, you're looking at a 9-1 run for Joseph Benavides. The only loss was to by split decision to Sergio Pettis at UFC 225, and he's fresh off a head kick finish of Juicier Formiga, who's the only person to have beaten Figueredo. So I'm almost disappointed here, Rashad, because of how much respect I give that split decision win he had over Henry Cejudo in 2016. It was, you know, right there for fight of the year contender. I wanted to see that rematch. I wanted to see a clean transaction if Benavides was going to finally get his moment rather than Cejudo just giving it up. And no no disrespect to uh, to Davison, but it, this the fight, I think, has a... It's under the radar for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not... It, feel, it, it sure don't feel as bad as uh, Nico Montano going for the inaugural women's strawweight t- or flyweight title, but it, it definitely is flying under, and it doesn't have that, like... The storyline, the drama, the sex appeal to it like we would like. I do like the interviews I've seen of Benavidez where he's like, look, the fact that I never won the title did hang over me for a long time. It was brought up in every interview. I let it go. I'm over that. Now it's kind of just a bonus if it happens. That's probably the right mindset to end up winning here. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I kind of I kind of I kind of got uh, a little pop for the um, the promotion on this. You know, I, I watched it. And it's kind of it's kind of like a movie theater, a movie trailer, the way that they did it. You know, it kind of made uh, Davison look very, very menacing. You know what I'm saying? But it had that it had a really good feel to it. Like it, it felt as if like these guys were fighting for something big. It felt like a belt was on the line just watching the preview. But I think that this, you know, investing in into this weight class and and putting those guys, uh, getting behind those guys at 125, I think that's what should have been done a long time ago you know i felt as if like with the 125 just really never never fed in, fit in you know and um i think that now that is is kind of had this little scare of almost not surviving i think that it would it's going to emerge as as a good weight class and these guys are going to come there and fight in that weight class understanding that if you don't then this whole weight class can be gone you know so sure. it's a different kind of fight it's different kind of pressure when you're fighting for your entire weight classes just versus that fight because at the end of the day, you're fighting for your job regardless, and you, and you go in there feeling that. Uh, what I'm about to say might sound disrespectful to people. Uh, don't take it that way. If Joseph Benavides wins here, Rashad, he he gets off the snide. He follows Michael Bisping into the uh, finally a bride, no longer a bridesmaid category. If this happens... Who do you think kind of retakes over that top spot of, of or or you know, who do you think is left in that in the green room of greatest UFC fighters to never win a title? I think Dan Henderson is usually most people's pick for this category. Uh who else are we we forgetting here that that that's in there? I got a couple. Uh well I got one though for sure. Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Interesting. Diego Sanchez, Clay Guida. I mean he's yep, Donald Cerrone. That's a that's another fair that's another fair point. Um Yeah, yeah. But Diego I mean Diego Sanchez, and especially now that he's, you know, got this new coach that's gonna take that, him to new that's levels. Gonna, uh, that's gonna take that's gonna give him his horoscope before the fight and uh that's gonna, yeah, rub rock, hot rocks on his balls. I don't. I mean, come on. Is it mean to clown on that coat? I mean, what the? What is going on here? I mean, that guy went on a public media tour to try to end the smear campaign, and I'm, I'm still smearing Rashad. Yeah, I think that he made things worse when he tried to end the smear campaign. And I mean, know, go, the guy needs a pap smear. To be really honest with you, <laughs> I, t- I talked to the guy about it, and, and. Um, you know, I, I told him, like, listen, you know, he's not from this sport. So whenever you put yourself out there in the public's eye and especially 
you know, fighting, you're, you're going to get criticized. And whether, you know, no matter what, you just have to take it. You can't go out there and answer all the critics because you'll go crazy doing it because there's endless amounts of critics. If you have the confidence in what you're doing and you have the confidence in your teaching system, then you don't need to say anything. Over time, then people will see your way is the way or they'll see that, you know, you 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 do know what you're talking about. But I think that the, you know, going out there trying to answer the critics and, you know, trying to fight fire with fire, that's a bit of insecurity. Yeah, you know, that's a bit of insecurity. And, uh, you know, hopefully they get past it because, you know, Diego really, really believes in his guy. And, you know, Diego's a friend of mine. So I would hate to see him, you know, go out there and actually get himself hurt because that's what I've seen happening in a Pereira fight if that incident didn't happen the way that it did with the knee. You know, he was actually on his way to get seriously hurt because I just didn't I didn't see him being able to offensively format a game plan that was that was anything to give Pereira any kind of worries or any kind of trouble to, you know, he was a sitting duck in there. And that's what made me feel uncomfortable about that and as a friend of Diego. And there's nobody else in the team. It's a one-man guy. It's like, let me go hire an astrologist who that's, doubles as a shaman. That's, and, yeah. that's all ego right there. That's ego right there by by, by his coach, Joshua, Joshua Fabia. That, that's ego right there. That's ego. Oh, I'm the only one. Well, why are you the only one? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, you don't know all disciplines. You don't know all yeah. styles. I, you know, Black Magic it, hasn't really had a history of working well inside the cage, Rashad. So maybe, maybe <laughs> we can roll on from that. Uh, any other fight on this? Look, not a deep card here. We're being honest. Felicia Spencer in the co-main event, her first fight back from that. Uh, you know, she looked good in her only loss to to Chris Cyborg. She'll be going up against someone I've never heard of called Zyra Fern Dos Santos. Um, please enlighten me here. Megan Anderson comes back on this undercard. Should I care about anything else? I do like Violent Bob Ross. Come on. Uh, no, I think you got it all. I think you're right. I think there's nothing on this undercard worth watching. Thank you very much. Uh, can't wait to watch the main event, UFC Norfolk, this weekend. Uh, Rashad, we did it. We did the business, okay? That's it. We did it. Yay. Um, can people find you? You be you got any sets coming up at the Comedy Store? Where can people uh, see your, your, next, uh, your next endeavor? Well, I mean, it'll be here, live and truly. Live yes. right back here at CBS. Yes, Check them out on uh, ESPN Plus's UFC coverage as well. Uh, yeah, it's the great Rashad Evans. Um, any updates, business, life, anything? You got anything for the people? Oh, still, still training. Um, you know, still trying to figure that out if it's going to happen, if it's not going to happen. But at the end of the day, I'm just staying in great shape and just enjoying the process. Uh, going to help some guys get ready for camp, and that's about it. Would you ever be a head coach and like have your own gym and like? make that full on transition. I think I can. I think I can, but I would be able to have, I would need a lot of people to help me out just because I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. I love to do the podcast and I love to be able to travel and do shows. So if I can find somebody to help me out, then yeah, I, I would, I would definitely, I got a recommendation. Josh Fabia. <laughs> it's more of a one man team, but yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll carry the water bucket. Thank you. Though you can carry the tarot cards. All right. Follow us at State of Combat at Sugar Rashad Evans on Twitter at B Campbell CBS. Shout out to new homeowner Brandon Wise and our great producer Mikey Moore Mile. Uh, Rashad, we like to leave the people with two words. We out. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.